And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a terrific weekend. Uh, big show today. I was joined by my good friend, Greg Price. Uh, we recapped uh, CPAC, which was this weekend. Uh, we talked about Joe Biden's big win in South Carolina. We previewed Super Tuesday, which is tomorrow. Uh, we talked about uh, the potential withdrawal of troops from Afghanistan. Uh, a lot to cover. Uh, before we get to Greg, though, I need to say hi to our friends over at Man Beard Company. Guys, so everybody's freaking out about the coronavirus. The CDC uh, issued a warning saying if, if the virus gets really bad, then they're gonna they're gonna you know say that men need to shave their beards. I don't really know uh, why, but look, man, look. If you're the kind of man that would shave their beard because the government tells you to, oof, you've made some wrong turns along the way, my friend. You need to go home and rethink your life. Do not shave your beard. Actually, do the opposite. Grow it longer. And if it looks like crap, that's probably because you're not using the right beard oil. You need to get yourself some Man Beard Company beard oils. Man Beard Company beard oils have the appropriate amount of fatty acids, vitamin E, and vitamin A to keep your beard in great shape. Guys, I've been using it for the last week or so. It is terrific stuff. And you'll notice the difference in like two days, two or three uses. You already notice the difference. It makes your beard look great, smell great, feel great. It's not greasy. It's not oily. It is top-notch premium stuff. Check it out over at manbeardco.com. That is manbeardco.com. Use the promo code NOGIMMICKS. Once again, is the promo code NOGIMMICKS to get a great deal on your order of beard oil. Punch the bear, tame the beard, Man Beard Company. Check them out right now. Guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NOGIMMICKSPOD. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. All right, without further ado, here's my chat with Greg Price. All right, guys, we're here with my friend Greg Price. Greg, my brother, how you doing? Good to be back with you, Brady. It's been a while. It's Absolutely, good to be back. man. So. Absolutely, man. You know, it's uh, it's busy. Uh, it's busy uh, in your world in D.C. It's busy over here, too, but I'm glad we finally made it work. Um, dude, so before we jump into uh, the news of the week, and there's a ton to get to, but uh, I wasn't able to attend CPAC uh, this year. You were there. It looked like a lot of fun. Um, looks like everybody got uh, substantially hammered every night like uh, like you should. At, a, at an awesome event like CPAC. But uh, give, us, give us some highlights, man. I caught part of Trump's speech, and it was hilarious, the whole, like, ducking behind the podium to mock uh, uh, Mike Bloomberg and all that stuff. It looked like a good time. But uh, give, give us some CPAC highlights. Yeah, CPAC's always really interesting. Cause, uh, it's a bunch of people who normally only interact with each other on Twitter, and all of a sudden it's basically Twitter becomes real life. So it's always very interesting to, like, Terrifying. Meet. That's it's, ter- always, it's horrifying. It's, bo- it's both interesting. It's both interesting and terrifying because, you know, you meet all these people that you only know from the Internet. And also you every, people who hate each other on the Internet all the time also get to meet each other, which makes for even more interesting, interesting things to happen. But no, it was no, it was, it's a, it was a good event. They always ACU and Match Slap always do a really good job putting it on. Um, they do. They try their they, they try their best to, to keep the peace and make it make it uh, informative and um, just make it an informative event. And they and, and they usually do that. And it was. It was a really, it was really good. 
I had, I had a good time. I was there covering it for the, for the caller. Um, Trump's speech was great. He always, Trump's speeches at CPAC are always really, really interesting because he just, he just goes on, it's just Trump off script the entire time. And he just goes on tangent after tangent after tangent. And it, and he's really, and it was really funny. He spent like 10 full minutes of his speech, just mocking Joe Biden and just mocked like every single of them. He like also like crouched behind the podium to like make fun of Mike Bloomberg, which was really funny. That was really funny too. But, no, but there was a, there was a lot of other good ones too. Mike, the secretary of state, Mike Pompeo spoke and he's, he's a very charismatic guy. You like, like, like him or hate him. He's, he's, he's really, uh, he's really funny. He has a good sense of humor and, and he, and he gave a pretty good speech. Jared Kushner also spoke, which was a big deal having, you know, the president's senior advisor speak at, at CPAC. That was, that was very interesting. There was, yeah, but yeah, there was good panels. There was, there was a lot of good stuff there. And it's the, the best thing of the, the best thing about CPAC though, is just the networking aspect of it, where, you know, you meet all, all the people in the conservative movement come to this thing and you get to, you can meet all of them. You can talk to them. Um, you can go out and get drunk with them. And that's always, it's always, it's always good to build those types of connections. And that's really what, that's what CPAC is really all about. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one more question about CPAC. I just want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, I mean, obviously, Donald Trump is the president of the United States, and he's a you know he's been a, a very conservative president so far on on most issues, not everything, but you know a lot of issues. Um, and obviously, you know when when your guy's in office, uh, the party kind of it, it's a Trump party. You know, the Republican Party is is a Trump party right now, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's you know that's how it, that's just how it works. I mean, the Democratic Party was an Obama party for eight years. You know, it is what it is. Um, you know, CPAC, Matt Schlapp, they, they did make some odd decisions this year. Like, they they told Mitt Romney he can't come and speak and stuff. And all that. It's like, I, and I get it. I'm no fan of Mitt Romney either. But, like, it does seem a little weird. Like, Trump, he is a 74-year-old man who, you know, will either be in office for one more year or more than likely five more years. But And then he's gone. He's retired forever. Um, so it's like it is kind of weird to make uh, something like CPAC this Trumpy, I guess. Like it doesn't bother me too much, but I, it seems a little short-sighted. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree and disagree. I think one of the things that's going to help Trump going into like going into the general election is that the enthusiasm that his party has for him is just far beyond the enthusiasm that the Democratic Party has for any any one particular candidate. And so I think that's something that's really going to help Donald Trump going into his reelection campaign. And like you said, he's been a very conservative president. He's been a very good president. He's he's kept his promises for the most part on some things, but on, on most issues that conservatives should care about, he has he has kept his promises and he has done a really great job. But I, but no, you're right. Donald Trump is not going to be president forever. And the conservative there has to be a conservative movement after Donald Trump is gone. He's not the end all be all. Of, of this entire thing. Um, but I think, but it, it doesn't really bother, bother me that it CPAC turns, like it bothers some conservatives that CPAC turns into a Trump event. But the way I see it, this is going to be an insane reelection fight. And we have to, and you know, the, the Republican party has to be all in for, for Donald Trump. If he wants to, if you want to prevent a president, Bernie Sanders, and if you want to see like, you know, issues that you care, we care about that Donald Trump really hasn't gotten done yet. Things like, um, you know, lowering the cost of healthcare and prescription drugs, building the wall, and and all and you know all the other things that he's promised. Um, we we have to be behind him. We we do. I don't. And uh, so it doesn't really bother me that CPAC turns into turns into kind of a a Trumpified event. Um, that's just the nature of having you know 
having an incumbent Republican in, pres- in, in the White House, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it is normal. That's probably the reason why it doesn't yeah. really bother me at all, because like, what, what do you expect to happen? I mean, you know, even sure. under George W. Bush, like a lot of uh, conservatives kind of abandoned traditional conservatism in favor of what what W called, you know, compassionate conservatism or whatever, which was, of course, just BS. But, you know, like it just happens like you kind of the party does mold itself around an incumbent president. That's totally normal. But all right. So let's uh, let's jump right into yeah. the news of the week. Uh Joe Biden blew out the competition in South Carolina. Uh, he received almost 50 percent of the vote, uh, and he beat Bernie Sanders, who came in second place, by almost 30 points, which is like well beyond what any polls were showing. Even the most optimistic polls for Joe Biden showed him up, you know, 15, 18 points. He won by 30. Obviously, Joe needed to win big uh, to keep his campaign going at all, and he did. I don't really know what effect this is going to have. Maybe it's a one-off. Uh, obviously, we'll find out a lot more tomorrow night. Um, uh, Super Tuesday, but yeah, hey, man, <laughs> he he called South Carolina his firewall. Uh, usually firewalls don't work, but at least at this this time it did. Uh, you have to hand it to the guy; he won by thirty points. So, how do you think this shakes up the uh, the Democratic field? Well, South Carolina was coming was going to kind of be the end all be all for Joe Biden, and really for Bernie Sanders, an indication of if he can just walk away with the nomination or if he's in for kind of a big fight. And I think. You know, it really exposed a lot, a lot of the divide in the Democratic Party and something that we're going to see tomorrow on Super Tuesday. You know, uh, the first three states, Nevada, Iowa and New Hampshire, they're, they're very white, relatively young, relatively suburban. And all of those things help Bernie Sanders because that's his base is, you know, young, you know, young people, you know, progressives, those 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 are those those three types of states are have had more Bernie voters. And that's why he walked away with them, except I guess in Iowa, that's still kind of disputed. But in South Carolina, which where the population you know, is much of Democratic voters is much older, much you know more African-American than the previous states. Um, Joe Biden, that's Joe Biden's firewall. Those people don't support support Bernie Sanders because a lot of them, you know, they remember the Cold War and they remember that communism was in fact a bad thing. And, and it really exposed a lot of that divide. Like even with younger, like Joe Biden blew it, blew it out of the water with old voters and with African-American voters. And even with young African-American voters, Bernie only won by about five points. So yeah, I, going I into Super Tuesday. I believe Biden won, it was like 61% of the black vote, which is, that's yeah. massive. That's absolutely massive. That is massive. And like going into Super Tuesday, we have, you know, all different types. We have states, like North Carolina, states like Alabama and Tennessee and Arkansas, where, you know, a lot of the Democratic uh, voting base there is a lot older. And then you have states like California and Minnesota and Maine and Massachusetts and, and uh, Vermont, where where the where the Democratic base is a lot younger. And so those states are going to go for Bernie and those states are going to vote for and the other states are going to vote for maybe Biden, but maybe a different moderate. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow with that and whether it's going to be a game of just who can drive out the most turnout in those particular states. And I think I think it benefits Bernie because a lot of the states that have more of his base in, like California, have much larger populations and much larger delegates up for grab. So I think Bernie's going to win Super Tuesday. But I think, again, it's going to expose a lot of this divide between the older and younger voters in the Democratic Party. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think, uh, I, you know, it's, it's tough even to talk about today, considering Super Tuesday is tomorrow. So everything we say today might be completely irrelevant so but for sure download the podcast everybody uh you know share it with your friends immediately make sure everybody hears it today because tomorrow it's not even not even worth your time but uh you know obviously 
Biden's going to win Florida huge. Uh, Bernie's polling in single digits after the whole praise for Fidel Castro thing. Turns out Cubans whose families were murdered by uh, uh, communists aren't really a big fan of communism. Um, so, I mean, that's going to, even with Bloomberg taking a lot of Biden's votes, he's still going to win Florida big. He's going to win a lot of the southern states. California and Texas, obviously the two uh, most populous states on Super Tuesday. And, and, you know, it's neck and neck between Biden and Bernie in Texas. It looks like Bernie will win California substantially. But uh, 538's projection, um, which obviously it, it's not we're not talking polling averages, which is what they do best. But it's just their projection of who's going to win the nomination. Uh they give it a, a 64% chance as of now um, that it's going to be a brokered convention, which, by the way, th- I'm, I'm rooting for that. I mean, I really want to see the libs just absolutely tear themselves <laughs> to, to shreds at the convention and watch the superdelegates come in and, you know, steal the nomination from Bernie or something. That's what I'm rooting for. Um, but uh, it, because there are no winner-take-all states like there are in some Republican primaries, it is looking more and more likely with you know, Biden picking up most of the, the delegates in South Carolina. He's going to pick up a majority of the delegates in Florida. Uh, he's going to do well in, you know, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, all these southern states. It is looking more and more likely unless South Carolina was just a blip and then Bernie just rolls through Super Tuesday and gets, you know, two-thirds of the delegates, something like that. It is looking more likely that Bernie will have more delegates than everybody else but will come in under 50%. Um, so, I'm here for that, brother. I mean, that's that's the best case scenario for the Republican Party, I think. Yeah, I think Pete Buttigieg dropping out uh, before Super Tuesday, even though you know he outperformed Warren and Klobuchar in all the other states, and they're still in it. And I think that's indication that the Democratic establishment is going to do anything in their everything in their power to steal the nomination for Bernie. And yeah, a brokered convention would literally equal blood on the streets in the city of Milwaukee. It'll if 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 Bernie ends up with like he has most most of the popular vote, but some other candidate comes in and steals the delegates on like a second ballot vote for him, it'll it'll be a repeat of the 1968 DNC in in the in the streets of Milwaukee. Bernie the Bernie people will burn it to the ground, and I am all for that. I think Pete Buttigieg is all of a sudden an American hero for dropping out of the race early in order to try and prevent a socialist from becoming the Democratic nominee. Um, and so, it, it, I mean, it'll be crazy. It'll be absolutely nuts if there's a broker convention. I'm certainly rooting for it because it, it will be wild. Yeah, absolutely we, I, wild. And you mentioned Buttigieg. We'll, we'll talk about him briefly. Like, we are finally seeing people drop out. Tom Steyer, obviously he was a non-factor. But he, he dropped out as well. Um, he put all his eggs in the South Carolina basket. But aside from Bernie Sanders, because Bernie Sanders obviously is a is a legitimate communist who's praised every genocidal dictator in history. He's like a legitimately evil human being. Uh, you really can't get more evil than that, but uh, at least in American politics, you can't. Uh, but other than Bernie, who's kind of in a class of his own, Pete Buttigieg was definitely my least favorite lib running for president. I mean, the guy is just the worst. I mean, <clears throat> just the, the smarminess, the smugness, anytime he opened his mouth, the, the ridiculous like Obama light platitudes, but without the charisma and without the, any substance behind it at all. It just, ah, and obviously I'm a Christian. So the whole warping scripture to fit narrative, and you're not a real Christian. If you don't support abortion on demand, <laughs> you know, you're not a real Christian. If you don't boot for vote for Pete Buttigieg. I mean, oh my gosh, I, he was my least favorite Democrat running for president, obviously outside of Bernie Sanders. So I'm definitely happy to see him go, but it is, it's interesting though. Like he did well in Iowa. 
and he did okay in in Nevada and in in you know uh, New Hampshire. It, I mean, Klobuchar's still in it. She has like no delegates at all. Elizabeth Warren came in third, fourth, fourth, and fifth <laughs> in the primaries and caucuses so far, and she's still in it. Like I don't know if these people are just the next coming of John Kasich, and they're just going to stay in forever. But yeah, it almost makes you wonder. Not to be a conspiracy theorist, but if somebody offered Pete Buttigieg, maybe he is just being a heroic American and trying to prevent a communist from getting the nomination. But I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if you know. He had a conversation with Joe Biden, you know, regarding some kind of cabinet position or something like that. It, it seems because he has nothing to lose by staying in until Wednesday, you know, until the, the day after Super Tuesday. There's no reason to drop out now. Yeah, it was really strange that even though he like he was he's placing third, like he has the third most amount of delegates right now. Out right. Of, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. He has the third most amount of delegates out of all the candidates, but he still dropped out before Super Tuesday like that. That seems pretty fishy to me, and I think I think you're right. I'm not a conspiracy. I don't like to be a conspiracy theorist either, but I think there was definitely some backroom deal going on right there, or maybe like some some D, someone from the DNC called him up and said, "Look, look, man, Bernie's Bernie's going to win this thing unless we all unless the moderate wing of the party can all coalesce around Biden, and you need to get you need to get the heck out." That would not I, that wouldn't shock. Again, I'm not saying that's what happens. That wouldn't shock me if it did, however. Unfortunately, we're going to be seeing a lot of Pete Buttigieg moving forward. He's only like 38, 39, something like that. And he's super arrogant and, and wants to be president. So he'll run again, and we're going to have to hear his pompous ass for decades to come, unfortunately. I fear. Yeah. Um, but I was, you know, I, with him, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's like the next head of the DNC. I don't think Tom Perez is long for that job. He hasn't exactly been crushing it as the Democratic Party. So yeah. he'll, he'll probably be ousted at some point. And Pete Buttigieg, he has no, like, electoral future in Indiana, obviously. He's not going to win statewide. He could run for Congress if he wanted to to do that, but that would kind of be a lateral move. But uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, like, head of the DNC and then runs for president again in 10 years or something like that. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, he I don't think ran, he's— He ran for DNC chairman one time, too, against Tom Perez and lost to him. So that wouldn't be surprising. I wouldn't be surprised if he ran for Senate in Indiana, too, because Indiana's elected Democrats to the Senate before. They had Joe Donnelly for a while. They so did. Joe yeah. Donnelly was a lot more moderate than Pete Buttigieg, and Indiana's mm-hmm. getting redder. It's not, It's not. you know, it was a purple state once upon a time, but it is solid red now. So yeah. uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he'll write a book that'll sell a million copies. It, you know, uh, Jim Garrity from National Review always says that uh, – People run for president for a variety of different reasons. And like, I don't think Pete Buttigieg really thought he could become president of the United States this time around. But he's wanted the name ID. He wanted the clout. He wanted to sell books. He wanted to make money. And he wanted to, you know, take another electoral move later. I, I don't think this was his end game by any means. But uh, let's change gears. There's one big issue that we need to talk about before I let you go. And that is that there has been some progress made towards ending the war in Afghanistan. Um the Trump administration, Mike Pompeo, uh, announced that they have agreed tentatively to a deal with the Taliban um, to draw down troop levels in the area and, and and to you know eventually end the violence. What what do you think about this, man? Look, look, I, I'll get into some concerns in a second, but anytime there's progress made towards peace in Af- Afghanistan, I'm all for it, especially after the Afghanistan papers came out. Uh, that basically admitted that the federal government's been lying to us for 20 years and we have no objective, no end game, no real goals. We're just kind of occupying Afghanistan indefinitely. So, yeah, look, I I know there's concerns, but I, I definitely think uh, this is this is a net positive. 
Yeah, I think so too. Um, I, war is something I've really changed my mind on a lot lately, as you probably noticed. It used to be more for staying in Afghanistan, Syria, and all these other places. Now, now it's, but I've changed my mind on that after like, after reading the Afghanistan papers and seeing how we were lied to by three administrations. Yeah, it's time to end this shit, man. We we've been there for almost twenty years. Yep. Like we're like it was announced today that the Afghan oh that the Taliban's going to resume offenses against the Afghan government. That that was going to happen either way. That was that's something that will will happen whether we were there or not. And we're not helping the situation by you know putting our troops in harm's way for a war that has no direction and no end game and really just no point at all. And so I think any any like obviously it's it's difficult to trust the Taliban that they're that like the deal is contingent on them reducing their terror activity in the region with the US withdrawing troops over like a over like a period of 14 months if they hold to the bargain. And I don't know if we can trust them on that. Maybe 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 they'll do it, maybe they won't. But either way, it's time to it's time to end it because the situation's not going to get these people have been fighting with each other before we got there. They're going to be fighting with each other after we leave. And so there's really no point to staying there. I still see the argument for the Taliban, like not letting the Taliban take over the country again. But I think, I mean, I think any, any progress that can be made to get our troops out of the Middle East, I think is, is definitely a very good thing. Absolutely. And especially Afghanistan. I mean, obviously after the Afghanistan papers came out, that was huge, but you know, I, I, you know me, I'm I'm pretty libertarian on, on stuff. And you're right, you have gone through quite the transformation in the last few years <laughs> in regards to the Middle East. But yeah. uh, like you can even like you can make intelligent you can make an intelligent case that we need troops in Syria, troops in Iraq, you know, wherever. You can't make the case in Afghanistan, not anymore. I mean there's just not maybe ten years ago, but I mean look, man, bin Laden's been dead since what it was two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. You know, so coming up on seven years like it's it's just not it, it there's there's no case to be made that we need troops on the ground in afghanistan and like obviously the left will say anything the trump administration does is bad because they're npcs and that's what they do but the the neocon right npcs are, are doing the same thing i mean they're, they're butt hurt and chanting over and over you know the taliban is our enemy you can't negotiate with them who the fuck do you negotiate of course you you don't negotiate with your friends for peace what are we gonna do negotiate with boris johnson we're not at war with England, okay? Like, what the fuck? What does that even mean? You don't negotiate with your enemies? That's exactly who you negotiate with. Like, you negotiate with the people you're at war with. Like, so that, like, just at face value, that argument makes no sense at all. And the thing is about the Taliban, yes, they are evil terrorists, but they're not ISIS, they're not Al-Qaeda. Like, yes, some Taliban members are the guys with turbans and beards down to their balls and an AK-47 strapped to their back. And a lot of them are also doctors and senators and governors. I mean, like, the Taliban controls half of Afghanistan anyway. And they're intertwined into, like, every aspect of Afghani life. So, like, they aren't ju- like they are a terrorist organization, but they're not just a terrorist organization, which makes them a unique threat and... A- you know, a unique problem to deal with. But if we're going to get out of Afghanistan, we do have to strike a deal with the Taliban. We have to. There's no other way. It's either we negotiate with the Taliban or we occupy Afghanistan for the next 5,000 years. I mean, that's just, there's two options. So, of course, we have to negotiate with the Taliban, as evil as they are. And yes, they've supported terrorism across the world for decades. But we have no option. There's no other option. So, obviously, I don't trust the Taliban. We have to, you know, trust but verify. We have to verify they're holding up their end of the bargain. But 
I don't know, man. We we got to do it. They, I mean, it's it's 19 years. It's yeah. America's longest war. 19 years. Enough is enough. Kudos to the Trump people administration. Fighting, people fighting in it. Yeah, and there are people fighting in it right now who weren't born when it started. Like that's pretty wild. And so wild. we'll see if they hold up their end. Of, we'll see if they hold up their end of the deal. But any any progress to end the war is 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 definitely progress. And man, I'll tell you what, January. 2017, when Trump was inaugurated, I, I asked the Trump administration for two things. Cut my taxes and end the war in Afghanistan. That's it. I mean, I'm a simple man, Greg. You know that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the previous two presidents before Trump, uh, let's say they set the bar extremely low <laughs> for what <laughs> what I true. wanted out of the next president. You know, they, they gave us basically nothing that I wanted as a conservative, as a libertarian. Not a lot of good news for the previous 16 years. So I'm like, look, if you cut my taxes and you bring the troops home from Afghanistan, not even end all the wars, not even talking about the war in Iraq, Syria, Yemen, everything else. I'm like, end the oldest war, the war in Afghanistan, and cut my taxes. And he's already done half of it. If he actually pulls the troops out of Afghanistan, holy shit, man. Amend the Constitution, let him run it for a third time. Because <laughs> like, we've had, there hasn't been a lot of wins, man. For, for a guy like me, we have not experienced very many wins in our lifetimes, in our adult lifetimes. So we got tax cuts, deregulation, embassy moved to Jerusalem. If he actually ends the war in Afghanistan, boy, oh boy. Like what? That would be huge. Like, never Trump is going to run out of shit to say, man. I mean, I guess they, a lot of them are New York well, never, anyway, never, so. never Trump loves war. They're, so. That's true. That's true. Well, if, if if Never Trump was smart, they would be running out of things to say. So, There we go, man. Anything else to add? And if not, uh, where can everybody find you online and keep in touch and all that good shit? Uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter, Greg underscore Price 11, and follow The Daily Caller. Um, we are breaking big stories every day. We'll always have good stuff coming out for nine ninety nine a month. You can become a Daily Caller Patriot and get all our content behind the paywall. Check all that out because there'll be big stuff happening with the election coming up. Everybody follow Greg. He is great. I'm sure he'll be back soon. Everybody check out the Daily Caller. They're doing the Lord's work over there. And, yeah, don't be a bitch. Don't be a cheapskate. Give them the, the 10 bucks a month. It's definitely worth the content. Uh, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Mm-hmm.